Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. I just had such an amazing reminder this weekend about what really matters in life. And you know when you just have those moments of like looking out at the water or looking up at the sky and that just kind of realization of life kind of gets you. Yeah. I said to my friend that I was with yesterday, I said to her, you know, I just, all I ever wanted as a kid was to love life. And I think that's what all of us really want at the end of the day. Like we want to be in love with life. And I think if you can kind of consciously remind yourself that that's what you're doing all of this for, then it helps you orient the things you say yes to and the choices you make so much more. So as you know, I um, was on like a really whirlwind trip this this week earlier um, where I was in London for a day. I was in LA for a day in New York for two days. And I was thinking to myself, I wasn't doing those things for like strategic reasons. I wasn't doing them because they're good ideas on paper to do. I was doing them kind of selfishly because those are things that I wanted to do. Those are the things that would make me feel more in love with my life. And I recorded um, two podcasts. One was with Lewis Howes and one was with Melissa Wood. And I was thinking to myself, like, how great that there could have been so many maybe celebrities that would have asked me to go on podcasts and stuff or other people that I would have gone and I would have said no to. But I said yes, because they're people that I really respect and people that I was excited to connect to and people that having a conversation with those kind of people who I really think are pure hearted people, like having connections with those kind of people is something that would make me feel more in love with my life, right? And it was so rewarding. And then it led me to kind of a secondary thought about how all I ever wanted was to love life. And also what an irreplaceable feeling it is to also feel like you like being who you've become, you know, and just that life is going to feel so much better. Everything that you create in your life is going to be so much better if the experience of you being you and you've created being a kind person, a person you're proud of, a person that you feel good being in your skin in the world. And I don't mean like physical, like how you look, but I mean like just loving the kind of character that you've created out of yourself. And I was just thinking, we don't talk about that enough. And I just think to really put that at the front of our minds is almost like it just makes every other thing that that flows down from it so much more simple. All the overthinking we do and all the choices we make, if that's our why, um, I think that's ultimately what alignment is. And I think we all are here for such a short, beautiful, miraculous, incomprehensible ride that if you can love the ride, you can love life and be in love with life and also be happy being who you are in that life. Um, 
it's such a beautiful thing to to keep at the front of your heart when you when you make the choices that you make even on a daily basis you're like unexpectedly making me emotional because obviously you know I'm like the most proud of you ever I'm like your biggest supporter but also it's been really cool and you said to me and Jane recently too that it has felt so different this experience because your exact words I think were that you realized that these were things that you didn't want from your ego um, and really understanding that you wanted to help people understand how to want things from a pure place. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by that? Because it really has been such an expanding experience to watch you do this because it's like, oh, there's another way. Mm. And I think that's all we really want is the reassurance and the handholding along the way that there's enough of us that are doing this different way together, you know, um, which on that note, we have a very exciting addition to the app launching very soon for this exact reason that the next thing along your spiritual journey, once you understand yourself, right, through learning your human design, through self-awareness, what we all need in going off on these different unusual directions of becoming exactly who we are and dehomogenizing and becoming so individual against all the things that we're told to be, even if they're spiritual things, even if they're conscious things, even if they're progressive things, if there's something inside of you that wants to do it differently and that's natural to you, I think what we need is the handholding. So that was something that really meant a lot to us as a team that we are so excited to give you. But this whole wanting thing has been really interesting because what we think we want, A, comes from, there's many layers to it. One, there's conditioned wants. Secondly, there's almost what I would call secondary wants where, for example, you want something, but not for the thing in itself, but because you think it's the easiest or quickest or best way to guarantee you something else that you want. So maybe, for example, you don't actually want a house, you want a sense of security, but your brain is telling you that the only way to get a sense of security is to ask for a house. But actually, if you circumvent that and really tap into the thing that you actually want underneath it all and just ask for security, then that's going to be the way that you open up yourself up to receive it or to know how to get there the quickest way, rather than your mind telling you that's the only way to get it. But also that true wants you can truly want money from a soul place. You can truly want fame from a soul place. You can truly want, there's no wrong or right wants to want, but there's such a difference in trying to force wants versus having natural wants that, you know, at any given point in your journey, you don't have a list of something you want in your relationship, something you want with your kids, something you want with your career, something you want at home. It's almost like, in order to have that much of a completion of wanting at any given point, that's it's almost like you're forcing it and you're manufacturing it. And that comes from a place of, if I don't want it, then I'm never going to get good things. Or if I'm not you know, on top of it or ahead of it, then it's never going to come to me. And actually, what's amazing is that true wants, it's better to have fewer shots on target than it is to just be always wanting, 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 right? And so, for example, with me, like this experience of, you know, what's happening to me right now with work and what's aligning for me right now with living in Ibiza and moving here and all these kinds of things is I've never been like, well, I'm single right now. So I want to want a relationship. 
right? And that's coming from conditioning, if I say that. And then I would be wanting myself into wanting to be in a relationship. Instead, what I'm doing now is waiting for that true unthought through want to present itself from inside of me, from my from my spirit, from my soul, right? And understanding that the second that want comes up is when it's going to be quickest that it's going to appear in my reality. It's going to be the easiest for me to create it or co-create it or manifest it, whatever you want to call it. But there's such a big difference between genuinely feeling your a, a want from inside versus wanting yourself to want that thing because that's the w- only way you think you're going to get it or that you think you need to want it sooner rather than when you're divine timing actually is going to start dropping it into your field and saying, hey, what about this thing? You haven't thought about it yet. So there's an incredible amount of peace for me um, to know that I shouldn't be forcing the want of wanting to be in a relationship right now. Okay. And similarly, even with career, there's such a difference between me saying I really wanted to serve people and I really wanted to Uh, do more talking and I really wanted to be more like words are my thing right so writing speaking all of that stuff and so when it came I remember you asked me when the book launched and we were doing this event and we were doing a party and I was doing a talk and you know you and Jane were saying to me like what are you excited are you so excited and I couldn't feel excited for it and what was amazing and what just occurred to me is like the reason I didn't have that kind of saccharine excitement, of course, I was in gratitude and deep appreciation, but I wasn't in that overstimulated excitement because it just felt like because I had allowed my system to want what my system actually wanted, when it arrived, I literally could just walk through it in passenger in passenger consciousness, meaning I could just watch the experience and enjoy the experience and just watch it unfold as it unfolded, like as if I was watching the movie of my own life. And that's such a difference between the soul wants versus the ego wants. Because I think when you're an ego want, and I, because I think you can manifest a lot of things that come from ego, right? You can create those things anyway. Um, And so if I said I wanted something different, for example, when I had my food business and those things were coming true, when I finally got... Um, you know, into a big department store in the UK. I was like jumping up and down of excitement, but it felt like a false, it felt like a kind of a high overstimulated kind of excitement. And this time around it, I felt so calm, even as I was getting all these different things that were like my dream things. Um, And that's not necessarily to say that everyone will react that way, but there's such a difference in your body of feeling like you get what you what your soul kind of truly wanted slash knew was going to come for you anyway if you just got out of the way versus something that like my ego is so celebrating because like I made it happen. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And it's almost like when we hear the story a million times of, you know, people that have achieved really high levels of success where they're like, I achieved that high height. And then it was an immediate drop, like, because all of a sudden there's the high hit, almost like a drug hit of like dopamine rush of I got the thing. And then the realization of that it didn't meet the expectations or something. And that has never happened. And from my perspective through this for you, because like you said, you've almost like just been a match for it. You've just been slowly becoming a match for this experience. And because I think you infuse the enjoyment of what you do throughout the process. And so it's never 
it's just like a part of the process to be able to have this amazing event with all the people who bought the book and host that for people and interact with them. It's just a natural part of you walking, like you said, going as through passenger consciousness, experiencing that experience, because Mm. that's how you're ritualistically experiencing each day of you doing your work so that not one not one thing of what you do feels like a higher hit than the other. Yes, that's such a good way of describing it. And it's been a real learning lesson because again, I kind of knew this from my brain, but going through it experientially always, no matter what it is we're doing, grounds it in your body where you kind of feel it in your heart and soul then. And like you said, if you create a life where I think so much of the time we're focused on I'll be happy when the end result or when this specific achievement or milestone comes but if you can reverse engineer it so that every single moment of the process is something that you're going to enjoy you will enjoy the last piece but also it won't be like you said that weird like that moment that you've had so much pressure on because it's finally going to make you happy because that's never going to happen nothing is finally going to cure you or save you or make you happy you have to do that along the way and then what's weird is that when you do that along the way and you become someone who's happy being who you are you become someone who's fulfilled with the everyday that you create for yourself then it just becomes a treat and a special experience no matter what it is but it doesn't lift you up and then drop you i think too we hear this a lot of like enjoy the process but i mm. think mechanically if we can focus our energy on like, at least for me, what I watching you watching your example, the thing that I've been working on um, as an observer of that is getting fulfilled by being able to apply me to whatever I'm doing. Like my Mm -hmm. now, my biggest wants in quote that are naturally coming out of me are like, I want to feel like I can plug and express my skills into whatever life presents me that I can plug it into because that's what actually brings me like the juicy fulfillment and like love of life and enjoyment of life. Mm-hmm. So it's just like whatever presents itself to me that I can plug myself into and get to just see me being me in and enjoy mm-hmm. me being me in, then that's that's the goal, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's when it becomes really fun because you know, like I always say, becoming the person you dream of being is the ultimate manifestation. It gives you this calm. And I don't know if you felt this as well. Yeah. But it gives you this calm of, it doesn't really matter what the situation is. If I know I have the tools to practice being me and see that situation as the opportunity to show up in a way that makes me proud of myself. And then you know that even if it's a challenge, if you're proud of yourself and that was the goal, then the challenge kind of sorts itself out because that's all the universe sent it to you for anyway, right? Is to become more you and to change who you are and elevate your consciousness and act in accordance with that consciousness. Then you've passed the test, so then it doesn't need to be there anymore, right? So it's more of a self-focused life because you understand that everything outside of you is just a reflection of you, but it's also a quantum reality. Like none of those things have a hold over you when you move from inside and live a self-directed life and it's fun right yeah no it's so fun I think I was telling you um I shared some little voice notes with you about stuff that was happening to me over the course of the week that I can like bring to everybody as just like fun little ways that we incorporate our human design in our life Mm -hmm. so I shared one with you that 
um, when I was getting on the airplane, I went to my, my, uh, future sister-in-law's bachelorette party. And, uh, I was getting on the plane at the airport and I was walking through to get some food and coffee. And for some reason, my spleen, which is my authority was like, get that sandwich. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like need this sandwich later. Cause I'll be hungry. And then I ordered a breakfast burrito and a coffee to eat right now. And I just had the sandwich in my bag. And then I get on the plane and I'm sitting there and we're taking off and my aunt and my mom are on one either side of me. And they're like, oh, I didn't get any food. I'm so hungry. And I'm like, oh, I have this sandwich. Do you guys want it? I already ate. And so they had their sandwich. So it was like my spleen was like prepared for somebody else too. And then like mm-hmm. a random other one, we we wore these like funny wigs out one night and I had two like extra wig caps. You put like a little wig cap underneath it. And mine was like very secure. And there um, was one girl who didn't really have one. And she I, she kept saying, um, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And my spleen was like, put it in your purse. And literally right before we left, she was like, Taylor, can I have that other wig cap? And I'm like, I literally put it in my purse because I, my spleen was like, put it in your purse. Like just random things like that, which Mm -hmm. are so simple, but they're just ways that we get to play with matter and like play with how our system functions and see how the small things sort of just click into alignment, not just for me, but for other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I think you'll find really interesting is, um, so gift 37, can you explain what gift 37 is to us, which is the one about like connecting people? Yeah. So, yeah. So one of the things about having gift 37 in your chart is that you are sort of, um, you love bringing people together. Um, obviously we go into this way more in the app and we even more into, in the book, but um, yeah, it, there's a really essential focus on, on being a kind of a glue or having all your people around the table and you loving that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a very tribal, uh, gift in the chart as well. So we had this one moment over the weekend where we were all sitting around the table. Um, her mom was there. My mom was there and her mom had been to a bachelorette where everyone kind of went around and told stories about their favorite stories with the bride. So we did that. And it was this beautiful, like emotional, where every the things that people were sharing about her were just so obvious to me that she is someone that is just so incredible at connecting people. And it was make we were all crying, like sobbing, crying. And then she she was sitting at the head of the table. And then after everybody had shared their story, she just expressed like her gratefulness for each person in her life being so connected to each other. Cause all 10 of us were from completely different points of her life. And mm-hmm. we had come together and just meshed so easily like a family. And I've been on a million bachelorette parties and all of my friends have amazing friends. And my friends know, like I love bachelorette parties because I have fun with new people, but this mm-hmm. is, this was different. It was even different than my own bachelorette party. And I was sitting there like, do I make people feel like this? And mm-hmm. I started getting in my head a little bit of like, Oh wow. Like do I not do this for people? Do I make people feel like this? And like almost that comparison thing that we do where we are wondering if we should be more like somebody because we're recognizing a gift in somebody else. Mm. And so I went upstairs and I was needing to decompress anyway, because, you know, I'm a projector and I'm very highly stimulated. I'm laying there and I'm processing this feeling of like, am I not like that? 
And I open up her app, her chart. So I'm like, there has to be something about this because it's so potent. Mm. Her sun personality. So if you go on our website now, you can um, update your chart and it will pull your most important gift, I think is what we call it on the website. But we, it's technically called your sun personality. Hers is gift 37. So can you explain what that means to people? Yeah. So, I mean, that, and that's so beautiful because your son personality, your most important gift is like the thing, the quality that you, you know, are supposed to lead with, emphasize the most, bring to everything you do. And so, um, you know, the fact that she was like the glue and the gel and creating this like synergy and harmony in a random group of people that didn't really, you know, weren't really that connected before. And she was the one that was like really gelling everything together and creating togetherness. I think it's what it's called in the book. Um, that's her natural thing. And so of course that would be the thing that everyone, if she's aligned and sounds like she is, those are the things that people are pointing out about her. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think in, 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 to some degree, everyone is living their design anyway. Right. And we just need help with reflection. Okay. To double down on the things we know we're already doing that we didn't even know were that special. And then to illuminate the places that we're conditioned in. And even with you, with your spleen, like, you know, those seem like micro examples. But at the end of the day, the little alignments and the big alignments, as far as the universe is concerned, are equally um, the same splenic message. It's the, it's only one message, right? It's only one gut response. You're only one emotional response away from anything, okay, in your life. But I think to us humans, we find it easier to kind of practice on the small things because we don't think they cost us as much. We don't have as much expectation. There's not as much tied up in it for us for our egos for our fears for our you know expectations for the future right and so it comes back to what i always like to say where it costs the universe the same amount of energy to manifest a coin as it does a castle but it's us that get in the way and so the things that you want lightly or think of lightly come more easily and so for you to get the sandwich and i can hear like if our listeners or 22 year old me would have been like well yeah okay so what's the big deal with a sandwich but it is the big deal because the mechanism is the exact same and so you didn't know that perhaps okay in this case it was your mom and your aunt and that's not a small thing like you took care of them right but also and if that isn't the most important thing in life I don't know what is but also imagine if you had sat next to someone else on the plane and then given them a sandwich and that was I don't know, ended up being someone that really needed help or someone that ended up really helping you or someone that introduced you to something or someone opened up your mind with something or gave you a new tool or a tip or you just don't know. And so the whole point on why I love how like in tune you are getting with your spleen is that you don't ask it why. You don't put the pressure on, okay, but why are you needing to spend extra money on a sandwich? You just do what the spleen says. And you've gotten to that place because you've listened to it enough and gone through the times when you do question it and seen it work enough times that you now question it less. Yeah. And to the... I loved that when I looked up her chart and I saw that it was this immediate clearing up in myself of questioning if I needed to be that way. Cause it was, I was immediately be, be able to just go, Oh, and admire that in her and go, Oh, I don't need to be that. This is who she is. And this experience is just creating an opportunity for me to be able to admire that in somebody else. So mm. it was just really, I really enjoyed too. Yes. The layer of, being able to 
be tuned into my spleen and in a way that there are these even small layers of alignment that are getting stacked on each other for me. But also just the ability to recognize brilliance in other people, like, Mm. and be able to reflect that back to them. Cause I even shared that with her. We like had this like really beautiful moment where I like read her gift to her from the app and she was like so touched by it. And it was, it's just like a really um, special way to be able to communicate with some access to some sort of language to be able to communicate what we appreciate in other people too. Yeah. And from a place of when you can see it in like a concretized form, like a design, right? Yeah. It, it, like you said, it becomes that permission slip, but it's also like, oh, I can see why now I don't need to be that way. And then without being threatened by other people's brilliance, you really can see their specific brilliance in them and know that yours looks different. And so you almost get to vicariously enjoy other people's magic um, without it putting you down or without you putting them down in your mind or needing to kind of say it's less important than yours or you know, any of that kind of extra noise that can happen when we see other people in their light. Yeah. I love that. Um, there's one other thing that I wanted you to share on this episode. You had sent me a voice note recently, um, just to prompt you. Cause I know you wanted to share this with everybody. So I wrote down connecting to innocent motivation, not assuming ill intent, for example, maybe that's just them being a manifesting generator instead of being flaky. Can yeah. you expand on <laughs> expand on that for us? <laughs> well, we 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 speak a lot about there's some concepts that we speak about internally a lot before we even share them. And one of them is innocent motivation. Um, where one of the things that human design has really taught me is that if I see someone else in a rush, um, you know, my brain would have a ton of reasons as to why that would be a bad thing, right? Or they're just being inconsiderate of other people, or they need to learn to slow down. There's a hundred other reasons that we can have. When we look at other people's behaviors, we judge it based on the external behavior, but the external behavior is the last in the long chain of things of the process that's mostly happening inside of a person, which is a reaction to something, a thought, a trigger, then a thought about what to do or how to um, what to do as a result of it, right? So all of those things are happening before the action is being taken. But what we do is we see the action, we filter it through our own context of our own life and come up with assumptions as to why things, why that person is doing that thing. And the thing is, mo- a lot of the time we assume nefarious or negative uh, consciousness behind things. But actually, most of the time, most people are good. And there's always a good reason as to why, if you spoke to most people as to why they did that, they would have a very understandable, if not very pure reason as to why they're doing it. We just don't have time or life is not set up for us to ask people all the time about why they're doing the things they're doing, right? So, but it helps you live in a better world where if you can catch yourself in a moment of judging why other people do things, instead of immediately ascribe a negative reason or a negative quality to them that is driving that behavior, like they're being flaky, maybe they're just a manifesting generator. And so it's not flaky, it's that they're being correct to their design and they're pivoting through things quickly. And the reason I sent you that example is because that came up for me this week, earlier this week, that someone was saying oh that that person is so flaky and I was thinking to myself actually they're probably just an MG and they're probably 
um, living correctly according to their design where they're just pivoting when their sacral needs to be pivoting. And again, I'm not attached to that being the reality. Like maybe they are being flaky, but why not assume the better one rather than the negative one, which is what we always do. Um, I'd rather be proven wrong about the right intent and to hold that as the understanding of how most of us move through the world is not everyone. We're not usually just wanting ill from life and other people and from ourselves, right? Like when was the last time you did that? You know? Yeah. No. And I think the, um, innocent motivation thing too helps with figuring like there's obviously a million different layers of this. So it doesn't always equal a doesn't always equal B or whatever. But like for me, even that um, that looking for the innocent motivation has helped me clear up my side of the ego of a situation too, where I'm like making up a story about somebody and then being like, okay, Taylor, backtrack a little bit. What's the innocent yeah. motivation? And then going, oh, okay, I wanted them to have that motivation because it allowed me to have this reaction. And it's like, okay, Taylor, you don't need to have that reaction. And then suddenly the whole situation like dissipates. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, because you want to feel justified in your like victim or I'm right and they're wrong and they just don't get me or whatever your flavor of ego story is. And also it really helps with that conflict. As you saw a situation about, about a month ago where, it gonna, it's going to change the way you deal with that person if you try to understand what their motivation that could be very understandable to you could have been behind what they said to you or what they're, why they're saying the thing they're saying to you instead of getting out of your pattern of like, well, that's just because people don't get it or that's just because people always ask me for things or that's because I'm always the one who's doing whatever your story is, right? So when you get to know what your story is, that's usually when you can tell that you're not assuming innocent motivation from people because the ego is taking over and the ego is the best spin doctor there is. And so it will be like, oh, they just do that because they want to get the best of you or people just are haters or people want to take the most out of you or you're just so powerless over whatever your thing is. And the work is really to understand what your flavor of ego um, story is. And you're right. Like, you know, as we've seen time and time again, and we talk about this all the time is like, it dissipates that for you. And then you've won, you know? Oh, too. Like it can also help in when you're maybe like working with people on like the same project or something. For example, like if one person is, you know, making more issues than necessary, for example, and it can get frustrating, your immediate reaction be like, oh, this is so frustrating. They keep making unnecessary issues. But then an innocent motivation could be maybe the project they're working on isn't actually challenging them enough, but they need to make themselves feel as if that they are like valuable to you. And so you're like, oh, maybe they just need something more like challenging added to their plate. You give them something more challenging and then they're able to flourish and suddenly those silly issues kind of dissipate because they weren't actually issues. They were just that person innocently trying to make themselves feel valuable and make sure you know that they're valuable. So there's like these layers and layers of layers of layers of where um, looking for the innocent motivation helps clear friction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the story that's coming up for me is that when we say innocent motivation, it doesn't mean that 
everyone is walking around trying to be Mother Teresa with every decision they make. But sometimes you can have understanding for things that people would do out of fear or things that people would do out of lack or, you know, like you're saying, people just want to feel valuable. And, um, you know, when we first launched our app two years ago, we were initially working with developers who really let us down in a big, 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 big way. Um, if you have been an app subscriber since then, you remember. And um, I'm just really grateful for for your patience in the very beginning of all those issues we had in the first couple of days where the app was just not letting people subscribe. And, you know, that really, that feeling to me of disappointing people and not delivering to people was so awful that it's so much easier to say those mofos did this and this and this. And yes, that can also be true. But what also helps me and my feeling, and if it comes back to being selfish and feeling good about your how it feels in your experience, understanding that those people, um, there was a person in the middle that had made promises of what they were capable of, and they were just trying to, they were way out of their depth in terms of capabilities, and yet they were trying to survive and trying to make money, and it was lockdown, and so... I can, can I understand that they overpromised and ended up under delivering? Of course. And have I done that before in my life? Of course. And do all humans do that sometimes? Of course. So it's not to absolve people of responsibility, but it's just to understand that no one is on purpose trying to walk around and be evil and take from you necessarily in such an obvious, you know, mean kind of way. Um, and so assuming innocent intent, but to take it back to are they flaky or are they a manifesting generator is to see that the small actions that people take that we judge as being good or bad actions comes from our frame of calling things good or bad comes from our own upbringing and also how we are, right? And that comes with its own very specific layering. So, you know, for me, for it to be important to say what I mean and mean what I say, if someone else is an embellisher, I could end up judging them as being like, well, no, because that means that they're fake or whatever. But it's actually, hold on a second, maybe they're supposed to be the storytellers. And so um, that's how they communicate. And that's not a bad thing. It's all about the actions themselves are neither good nor bad. It's about are they aligned for you and are you expressing them in a way that is positive? Now, every single gift that we have inside our charts has a positive way of expressing itself and a negative way of expressing itself. So it's also on us to use it on the right things and plug the right consciousness into it, okay? Because you could be using your your um, sister-in-law's gift 37 to bring people together out of um, codependency and neediness and need to feel like she's valuable, or you could do it because you just love bringing people together and that's a completely different energy. But when I'm watching someone move through the world, I don't want to be anthropocentric and assume that the reason why they're doing things is the same reason I would do things. And that's the whole thing about assuming innocent motivation is it gives you a tremendous amount of freedom of not needing to know and analyze everything all the time. And just if you mind your life and your business and you leave it open to maybe being wrong about what everyone else is up to, um, not only is it a kinder world for you to live in, but it's also that it frees you up with so much brain time and it snuffs out your ego. So it's kind of a triple win.